So the reading today is Habakkuk 3, which in the large print is page 1514, and in the regular print is 942. It's quite a long one, so <laughs> please bear with me. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigiana. Lord, I have heard your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. His ways are eternal. I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, O Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode with your horses and your victorious chariots? You uncovered my bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear you pierced his head. With his warriors stormed out to scatter us. Gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I waited patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. So Yvonne's going to be speaking, but I thought it'd be good to pray for her before she starts. Lord, I just thank you so much for Yvonne. I thank you for the word that you have given um, her for us. I pray, Lord, that you would give her a real anointing, that you would uh, fill her words with your spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear everything you have to say for us. And Lord, I pray that your words would travel from our head to our hearts, that our lives would be transformed. We pray that you would give Yvonne everything that she needs to bring your presence into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I chose Habakkuk um, because he's one of the minor prophets, but I really feel what he's talking about, what he's saying about is, um, is very real. I'm going to look very school mom-ish with my, looking over my glasses as you might get used to it. So. <laughs> and the thing about Habakkuk, he was one of the minor prophets around the seventh century BC. 
And he was going through a time in his life where he was really confused, he was frustrated, because he was asking questions about like what's going on in the world today, and I really felt it's really real with us now in this time, in this place. His name means to embrace, to wrestle. And his name had something to do with the book because he was wrestling with a difficult issue. And I feel with life today, we are wrestling ourselves with a difficult issue in terms of the terrorist attacks, in terms of the bombings, in terms of black and black crime, in terms of gang going on. As a Christian, you say, what can I do? God, what are you doing? And that's what Habakkuk was going through at his time. He was asking God, God, if God is good, then why is there evil in the world? And other questions like, if there has to be evil, then why does evil prosper? Now, there's a, a biblical uh, teacher in, named uh, Warren Wisby. I, had, I didn't read his book, but I love the way he talked about Habakkuk going from a place of worry to a place of worship. And to me, my heartbeat today is to do with worship because I feel in worshiping God, despite what we're going through, we come to that place where we realize that, you know, God is who he is. And it might be that things are not going our way, but he is the God, the omnipotent, the omnipresent, the omniscient God, all-seeing, all-knowing God. So some of us may be in a place where we're questioning God, and I do pray and hope that like Habakkuk, you do come to that place of trusting God in the end. A lot of us are walking with God through the same process as Habakkuk is going through. For me personally, I have come to a place like Habakkuk, that place of peace, despite what I'm going through in my daily life, where I know, as he knew, that despite everything not being stable, or all issues being resolved, like Habakkuk, I know that God, he gives me my foundation, and he gives me the, the, the strength to move on. Now in chapter one, Habakkuk was at a place that he was really low. He was despairing because of the evil in the world around us, as a lot of us might be feeling. And in the last chapter, we see him praising God. In verses 17 to 19, he says, though the fig tree does not bud, and there's no grapes on the vine. From that picture, you know that things are not going well. Though the olive crop fails and there's no fields, and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. and enables me to tread on the heights. And to me, this picture is when he says about enables me to tread on the heights, it shows that picture of him still climbing up a mountain. Things are not going smoothly, but he has that foundation, that stability in God. And in the end, for me, Habakkuk comes to that place where he embraces God and trusts in him. So how does that resonate with my heartbeat? To me, Habakkuk speaks into the place of worship. Why worship? And I'm going to cover three points. We worship because of who God is. We worship because Jesus loves us. And we worship because we are adopted into his family. So I have, Josh, if you can put up the slides. Yeah. Now, when I think of worshiping God for who he is, we think of his universe, the creation, 
and the galaxies. If you go on to the next slide, Josh. We think of his landscape, the skies. We look at creation and we see God in everything. The next one, please. And the next one. We should just leave it here while I'm talking through. Now, God is a great God. If we look at this, I, I just love this, this picture. It shows nature, it shows the sea. It just shows God for who he is. Now, I was one of those kids, I don't know if you're one of those kids, who used to ask the question like, okay, who made me? My mom did, the lo lovely Tilly created me. Uh, that's my sibling, my sister, Rosalind, my son, Kwabna, my cousin, Shah, and my friend, Christiana. God made us all. But we, I used to be one of those kids that I used to say, okay, Tilly made me, who made Tilly? Go back, and then I get to God, and I have this colossal headache. And I used to do that a lot, and I guess came to a point. I always say I came to, to know God in a really funny way because I used to ask those questions. And I just said, well, there, there has to be a God because I can't go beyond him. I don't know what's going on. And I, and I was just thinking of a, a great way in which to say who is God. And I looked to Job 38. As you know, Job was someone who really loved the Lord. And Satan, in one of his visits with God or talks with God, um, God was saying, what do you think of Job? And, and Satan was in extent saying that, well, well, of course Job loves you. Everything's going well for him. There's no problems. How will he not love you? But God allowed him to, Satan to really um, um, sort of uh, impact Job's life. And he, he lost everything. He lost his children. And he came to that place where he, um, he, he was questioning God. And then God comes back to him. It's a bit of a lengthy one, but to me it really describes who God is. So it's Job 38. You can look it up as I'm reading it through. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm, and he said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. I always picture this thing of, of God, God talking to Job. I don't know how it feels. I may be quavering in my boots, but, but, but Job was, was, was listening. I'm sure he was going through the same thing in his mind. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? It was God, our awesome God, who did that. While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who shut the sea, doors behind, who shut the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garments and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. And when I said, this far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud ways halt, showing the boundaries of the sea. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. The earth takes shape like clay under its heel. Its features stand out like those of a garment. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? I don't know if anyone has done that, but God has. He created it. Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of the light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? 
Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the snow houses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserved for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? And he keeps on going on about what he's created. And to me, it shows a great and wonderful picture of who God is. He talks about the constellations. Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bears with a cub? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Did anyone see the lightning or the storm a few nights ago? And just looking at it, that was God's creation. And then they report to you. Can you imagine the lightning and thunder reporting to you? Here we are. Who gives the apis wisdom or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? And who provides food for the raven when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? To me, this shows how awesome our God is. Because there's a lot in here which say, you, you just hear and you say, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. But God is just emphasizing the fact that it is I, the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent God who does this. Next, we worship Jesus for saving us. Thank you. Now, it's by grace that we've been saved. It's God's richness at our expense. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Now, when I was young, um, I would always say I wasn't really happy with God because to me, I really felt that God being the great omnipotent God could have found another way to save us. I, I just couldn't get that he had to. Jesus had to die for me. Because I remember at Easter time, really being impacted by the crucifixion, you know, having the, I would really be crying, I mean, really upset, you know, it even got to a point where I stopped watching the crucifixion because it was just too much for me. But then I came to that place where I understood that there's a consequence to sin and something has to be paid for sin, for us to be cleansed. And we serve a just God. And out of his great love for us, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And all I can do is worship him. It was a journey for me, but I came to that place where I accepted Jesus for what he did for me. Now, there's a, I found a really graphic description of what Jesus did for us. Jesus is dead, so just bear with me as I read through this. For the next 60 seconds, set aside whatever you're doing and take this opportunity to know a little more about Jesus. At the age of 33, Jesus was condemned to death. At that time, crucifixion was the worst death imaginable. Only the worst criminals were condemned to be crucified. Yet it was even more dreadful for Jesus because unlike other criminals condemned by death, to death by crucifixion, Jesus was to be nailed to the cross by his hands and his feet. Each nail was about six to eight inches long. The nails were driven into his wrist. And a lot of the stories we see or pictures, we show, it shows it wasn't in his palm, but actually in his wrist. 
There's a tendon in the wrist which extends to the shoulder, and the Roman guards knew that when the nails were being hammered into the wrist, that tendon would tear and break, forcing Jesus to use his back muscle to support himself so that he could breathe. Both his feet were nailed together, so he was forced to support himself on the single nail that impaled his feet to the cross. Jesus could not support himself with his legs because of the pain, so he was forced to alternate between arching his back and using his legs just to continue to breathe. Imagine the struggle, the pain, the suffering, the courage. Jesus endured this relative for over three hours. Three hours. Can you imagine this kind of suffering? A few minutes before he died, Jesus stopped bleeding. He was simply pouring out water. From common images, we see wounds to his hands, to his feet, even the spear wound to his side. But do we realize his wounds were actually made to his body? A hammer driving large nails through the wrist, the feet overlapped, and even a large nail hammered to the arches. Then a Roman guard piercing his side with a spear. But before the nails and the spear, Jesus was whipped and beaten. The whipping was so severe that it tore the flesh from his body, the beating so horrific that his face was torn and his beard ripped from his face. The crown of thorns cut deeply into his scalp. Now most men would not have survived this torture. He had no more blood to bleed out, only water poured from his wounds. To the human adult body, we contain, um, contains about 3.5 liters, which is about a gallon of blood, and Jesus poured all of this out. All these, without mentioning the humiliation, he also suffered after carrying his cross for almost two kilometers. While the crowd spat in his face and threw stones. The cross was almost 30 kilograms in weight and only for its higher part where his hands were nailed. Jesus had to endure this experience to open the gates of heaven so that you can have access to God, so that our sins could be washed away. And for me, just reading through this, it reminds me again of what Jesus did for me. When I remember myself as a child saying that, God, you could have done something better for me, it was just showing the awesome, incredible love that God has for us, for each one of us, no matter who we are, what we've done, what we're going through. He loved us so much. And what also gets me is the fact that he did it for people in the past, he's doing it for us now, and he did it for the people who are going to come into the future. I worship Jesus because he saved us. He saved me, he saved you. And I worship because we are adopted into God's family. Now in Ephesians 1, 4 to 6, for he chose us in himself before the creation of the world to be homely, blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to, work, to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us. 
in the one he loves. To me, this talks about a proper adoption, where you feel you're part of a family. This is not where you're adopted and you feel that uh, actually you, every day you're feeling, oh, I'm the adopted child, I'm the one who's excluded. But we look around and we realize that we are welcome. God welcomes us into his family. And because of that, it causes me to worship him and to give thanks and to give praise for the wonderful things he's done. Isaiah 49 verse 16 says, God has engraved me in the palm of his hands. And when someone has engraved you in the palm of his hands, you're not forgotten. It tells me that I matter, you matter. So often, personally, sometimes I, I, I know I smile a lot, but I go through times where I don't feel I'm worthy of God's love for me. I go through times where I feel, you know, um, I could be better. I could have done more with my career. I could have done more with my life. But then I remember that God loves me. He's adopted me into his family. He loves me for who I am. He loves me despite myself. So isn't that fantastic to just know that, wow, Papa loves me. He's engraved me in the palm of his hands. He does so to tell me that I'm his. I belong to him. So practically, what do you do? To me, you have a, a heart of gratitude, of thanksgiving. I remember Mike saying uh, about, at the end of the day, write about five, or five things that you are thankful to God for. And I try and do that. It's a good thing to do, just to remember, because sometimes you might have a really awful day, and then when you sit down and think, what can I think, thank God for? And if you remember and pull those things out. And then you remember that God is holy. We have reverence, we have awe for who he is. And then we also lay down our lives as an act of worship. And then we also serve God. Serving him in, in our work, the example of praying, I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, being the only Christian in his, his workplace, but praying and seeing that through. And, in, and he's serving God in that. He's worshiping God in that. We worship God with our lives each day and have that attitude of worship in everything that we do, wherever we are. And we speak about him, we are passionate about him. And I do not want to gloss over the fact that life is not always happy, fun, etc. But in the midst of all this they're going through, you come to a place where you recognize that, you know what, I may be in pain, I may know um, that I'm sick and I'm not being healed, I may have lost my job, but in all of this, despite all of this, you know that Papa loves you. Jesus saved me, and I'm adopted. And Holy Spirit will help you to praise him. So I leave you with this. King David dancing before the Lord. If you can imagine, if you can imagine King David dancing exuberantly before the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serving the Lord no matter what. They were thrown into the fire. And they even said that even if they died, they would still worship God. The church in, in Thessalonians, who were faithful in giving and in helping others, even despite going through a period of persecution, they were showing love. They were being a family together. So all I ask is that you be true to yourself as you praise Papa. Whether you do that in silence whether you do that speaking or singing in the spirit, whether you do that dancing before the Lord, whether you do that in drawing, whatever way you choose to do it, 
Just express your love for him for who he is. Be overcome with his love for you. And turn that into an expression of love. That, wow, Papa loves me and really cares for me. So even though this week you may have fallen back on a promise you made to God, or your time with God may be really lacking, or you have not been led to read the Bible, just know that Papa loves you. Amen.